slides it out for Ekblad. Back to Hoffman, blocked by Polak and Rice! Another spectacular stop! Broussard tees it up and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Marcel with the open net and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. We have a special crossover episode here with John Chick of Locked On Rangers. So without further ado, we're going to talk about this game, John and I, as we break down the Islanders' 4-2 win at Madison Square Garden over the Rangers. All right, welcome back, everyone. We have a special Locked On crossover edition for you guys today. Joining me once again is Gil Martin from Locked On New York Islanders. Gil, how are we doing tonight, buddy? Doing okay. How about you? Doing pretty good. Would be feeling a little bit better if the Rangers had uh, won that game, but obviously they took two out of three against the Islanders recently, so not too shabby overall, I suppose. No, I, I guess you have to be happy, and Islander fans are certainly relieved to at least win one out of the three games against the Rangers, still have a chance to even up the season series later on, and and quite honestly, the way the Islanders have been playing lately, uh, they really needed this win so uh, a, a sigh of relief more than anything else, I think, for the Islanders and their fans. Yeah, and anytime there's a little bit of a break, you know, whether it's the Christmas break early in the season or now we get the All-Star break, I think the game leading into that always feels really big. And I'm not sure if we as, you know, analysts or fans or whatever, maybe we put a little bit too much stock into it. But I don't know. It always feels big because both these teams are going to be off for a week and a half. So obviously you get a win here. You get to feel good about yourself for a little while. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Is this game... Is this a bigger game just because there's so much time off, or do you think maybe we put a little too much stock into it? I, I think maybe it's a little bit of both. I think it yeah. is a, a little bit bigger because of the break, and I think for the Islanders especially, you know, I, I had talked on the uh, Islanders podcast about the Islanders had a six-game stretch, three of those games against the Rangers, five out of the six in the division. They came into tonight one, three, and one in the first five. So to, to lose tonight, uh, to lose three out of three to the Rangers to lose, you know, all five of the six games within the division really would have been uh, left a bad taste in the team's mouth coming into this 10, 11 day break. And uh, they really needed to win. And uh, Thomas Grice got it for them. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate for the Rangers because, you know, they had won uh, four out of five, not too long ago. And now they lose two in a row. And if you win this one tonight, then you've won five out of seven going into the all-star break. And, as it stands, you know, they've now won four out of seven going into the All-Star break. And it's like, yeah, that's okay. But God, five and two in your last seven just, just sounds so much better than four and three in your last seven. So, yeah, absolutely. Definitely was a big game tonight. Yeah, no no doubt. And and look, you know, I, I think the goal that was overturned uh, on the offside call was a was a sort of a turning point. It, it made the Islanders a lot more confident heading into that third period and and just after what happened against Washington to the Islanders, you know, over the weekend, uh, they needed to have that three, nothing lead after 40 minutes. It's funny. You mentioned that play because, th and this is the honest to God truth. I, I was watching the game with my wife. And as soon as 
they went over the blue line there. I said they were offside. And then, of course, they ended up scoring. And it was, it's just kind of symbolic of how this night went for the Rangers, I thought. You know, taking nothing away from the Islanders, but puck luck really not on the side of the Rangers tonight. And, and no better example of it than right there. Because I actually, I really did see that live. And, you know, they go to the replay, of course, you know, the Islanders challenge. And it gets overturned. And you just kind of throw your hands up at that point. It's like, man, you know, I mean, you don't give up. It's only still just 3 nothing at that point. But it's just like man, that would have been big to get that goal going into the break. And that's just kind of the night that it was for the Rangers. Yeah, and I mean, look, if you look at the shots on goal, the Rangers really carried the play more or less. I mean, 42 shots on Grice. Grice with 40 saves only gives up the two late goals, at least among the ones that counted. And from an Islanders perspective, I mean, Grice had sort of lost the starting job to Varlamov lately, uh, you know, only starting on the second day of back-to-backs, but he played pretty well in the last game, and they go back to him, and uh, I think they made the right choice by starting Grice, and 40 saves to earn the win, I think he showed that, yeah, Barry Trotz did make the right decision. Any chance coming back from the break, then, that we get a little bit more of a 50-50 split with those two guys going forward? I would think so, yeah, yeah. and and uh, it wouldn't even – again, I think Trotz will ride the hot hand, and if Grice starts to put together a string of a few, you know, solid games, he may get 60% to 40% for Varlamov uh, until he cools off, and then, you know, we'll keep going back and forth. What about the Rangers' goaltending situation? I mean, Georgiev starts all three games against the Rangers. I guess he got the start tonight in part because he won the other two, but, uh, you know – how much longer do they keep three goalies? Well, it's funny. I was talking about that in my episode earlier today, and I do get the feeling that Georgiev is probably going to be traded because, you know, in a perfect world, I think the Rangers would be able to convince Henrik Lundqvist to maybe accept a trade and waive his no-move clause and maybe get to go chase a Stanley Cup with, you know, a Western Conference team or whoever it might be. But, yeah, I just – we're kind of seeing a case study of why – teams don't do this why teams don't carry three goaltenders there's just too many mouths to feed and it's just impossible to get everybody enough ice time and keep everybody sharp and so for that reason I do think you know Georgiev is probably gonna be on the move uh sooner rather than later and as far as him playing against the Islanders you know even coming into this season he had very good numbers against the Islanders so I think it's kind of two birds with one stone there because you know the Rangers need to win these games if they're going to stay in the playoff chase you know they, they need to try to keep up with these teams so that's one thing but also just the fact that, you know, other teams are clearly watching these games as well. And there might be teams interested in trading for Georgiev. So it's a little bit of a showcase as well. But yeah, I would not be surprised. I mean, I like Georgiev. So that, that's kind of the shame here. And, you know, he might just be the odd man out. But you do know as a Ranger fan, and not to sound too melodramatic, but any one of these starts by Georgiev could be his last start as a Ranger. And, you know, if he indeed does get traded, I wish him all the best because he's done everything they asked for. I understand the, the Rangers' asking price is actually fairly high for him. So we'll see if anything gets done. But it just doesn't seem feasible to me that you can go the rest of this season and then all of next season with three goalies. I, I just don't see how that would work. No, I have to agree with you. And and look, you know, you look historically over the last, you know, five years or so, being Henrik Lundqvist's backup, usually you get traded and you end up with a starting job somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, it happened with both Cam Talba and Antti Ranta. And, and something that, you know, I talked about in an episode not too long ago was that I think that's one thing that Henrik Lundqvist has never really gotten credit for in his career because whoever his backup is, it seems like they play pretty well. And if you look at Talba and Ranta, I mean, they've both had their moments since leaving the Rangers, but I think their best seasons came when they were on the Rangers as Lundqvist backup or in some cases playing in his place when he had, you know, a minor ailment or whatever it might have been. But 
yeah, I mean, I, I think he's always had a good relationship with his backup goalie. I think that's something that maybe gets overlooked by, uh, you know, for as much as people give Lundqvist credit and as high as people are on Henrik Lundqvist and as respected he, as he is in this league, I think that's one thing that gets overlooked a little bit. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, it'd be interesting to hear from some of those former backups, uh, how good of a mentor is Henrik Lundqvist? Do, does he actually, you know, talk to them and teach them or does it, do they just learn from example by watching what he does? Yeah, that actually sounds like a great story there. That sounds like a solid story pitch there. I like it. Okay, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to ask you, too, about, uh, you know, the Islanders' power play tonight. You know, obviously, they were taking advantage of some opportunities. Um, how has their power play done recently? And, and you know, how big was that to get, you know, convert on those goals there? They got a couple of fortuitous bounces. But nonetheless, they put the puck in the net twice on the power play in the first period. Yeah, and they needed it. I mean, the power yeah. play has struggled. They, they're they in the low 20s in the league uh, with the man advantage. And, you know, I think they, they really do lack a power play quarterback. And that's something that I've spoken about uh, on, you know, my show the, over the last couple of uh, episodes. And, you know, the, someone who can keep the puck moving, keep the players moving, keep the flow going, uh, almost like a point guard, distribute that puck. And, you know... They don't have it. And, you know, Adam Pellick wasn't, you know, a great offensive defenseman, but at the same time, they're feeling his loss uh, in the defensive zone. And then on the power play, they just they just don't have, uh, you know, that kind of player who really is is orchestrating things from the point. So getting two power play goals in the first period was huge for this team. And I think it gave them both confidence and, and sort of took the monkey off their back a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I suppose the only downside is, you know, you have a night like that where you kind of get the power play out of a little bit of a slump and now you're off for a week and a half. You don't exactly get to build on it a night or two later. Yeah, well, I guess you can't set it up perfectly, but better late than never. And hopefully it's something that they can watch the film, study it, learn what they did right, and then replicate it when they return to action February 1st. Absolutely. And another question I had for you, obviously, you know, Islanders are up 4 nothing in this game, and, you know, it's looking like they've got it in the bag pretty much. I mean, you never give up, but then the Rangers get those two goals late in the third period. Did you get nervous at any point during that that little rally that the Rangers had at the end there? Absolutely, and yeah. when you when you look at what happened, giving up five third-period goals to Washington on Saturday, how can you not? There is a little voice in the back of most Islander fans' heads that had to be saying, oh, no, here we go again. <laughs> and it, 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 it was very, uh, look, at least the scoring for the Rangers didn't start until, you know, 1345 of the third period. So there just wasn't a lot of time left. But, you know, hey, they got close enough to pull the goalie and make it interesting down the stretch. So, uh, yeah, there, there, there was that little voice, I think, that most Islander fans heard when when the Rangers made it 4-2. Gotcha. And as a Ranger fan, I can definitely tell you that, you know, it's getting toward the end there. And I'm just thinking like at this point, it's like, man, just don't get shut out. Don't go into the all-star break getting shut out by your biggest division rival. And I will say that I think of all the Rangers that could have possibly scored a goal there. I think Pavel Buchnevich getting one, like if I had to pick somebody to score a goal there, Buchnevich would be the guy because he's been in a little bit of a slump, at least as far as scoring is concerned. But I don't think he's played as bad as his lack of scoring would indicate. There's times where he's been close. He's just been a little bit snake pinned. But for him to score on that deflection there, I thought was big. And again, it's kind of the same thing with the Islanders' power play. Unfortunately, Buchnevich doesn't get to follow up on this anytime soon. But still nice to see him get a goal there. It's always good to see somebody get out of a slump. Yeah, that, that has to be encouraging for Ranger fans. And, 
you know, one of the little things that I think made a big difference in this game, and I don't know if, if you noticed it, but, you know, at least one of the Islanders' goals came right off a big face-off when Islanders really dominated in the face-off circle tonight. Yeah, they did. And that's been something of an issue for the Rangers. I mean, I don't think that they have anybody who's at 50%. Uh, Ryan Strom was close, but then he went through a slump with the faceoffs, And that's one of those things, you know, it's more important than people realize. And it's, you know, you might see a game where a team wins the faceoffs, like, I don't know, like 30 to 24. And it doesn't seem like that much, but it is important. Anytime there's a faceoff in, you know, either team's zone, by winning or losing the faceoff, you're either creating a scoring opportunity or you're preventing one. So I think faceoffs, it's a stat that kind of gets overlooked a little bit. And, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, when you're good at faceoffs, it's it's a nice advantage to have, especially in the playoffs when everything is magnified. Absolutely. And and look, bottom line, you're not scoring many goals if you don't have the puck. You might get yep. the occasional crazy bounce off of someone's skate or stick or whatever. But at the end of the day, you need to have possession of the puck if you want to put the puck in the net. And winning a faceoff gives you that possession to either you know, get a scoring chance or, or get the puck out of your own zone. And look, you look at Brock Nelson, 13 out of 19, Casey Sezikis, 14 out of 20 in the faceoff dot. That made a big difference for the Islanders, even though they were severely outshot in this game. Some of those faceoff wins led directly to goals. Yeah, absolutely. That, that was huge in this game. And uh, just to uh, backtrack just a little bit, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, the Ryan Lindgren hit against Jordan Eberle from the last game that the Rangers and Islanders played. I know it's kind of old news at this point, but obviously Lindgren ended up getting fine there. And, you know, he had that shove from behind and, and Eberle kind of hit his face on the side of the post. Um, What were your thoughts on that? Do you think that was a finable offense? I, I it, To me, it was kind of 50-50, but I'll get your thoughts on it. You know, I, I thought it was I thought it was finable. I don't think it was suspendable. Uh, just the, the way he went face first, you know, into the, into the post to me made the difference and it's tough. It's, it's one of those situations where how the guy falls is not always, you know, determined by the way he's hit necessarily. It could be whether he's braced himself for it, whether he's off balance, you know, there are so many factors, but when you hit a guy from behind like that and he goes face first, I, I think a fine, but no suspension was about right. Yeah, I think I would have to agree. I mean, and, you know, it, you raise an interesting point there. You know, should Lingren have to pay for the way that Jordan Eberle landed? I mean, it was more unfortunate for Eberle than anybody else, but it was also unfortunate for Lingren because when he hits him there, I really doubt that he's, you know, thinking, oh, man, I'm going to slam this guy's face off the side of the post there and, and, you know, cause him to be injured. I think he's just doing everything he can to prevent a scoring opportunity. And it certainly was a penalty. And, you know, I, I think it's probably okay to, to find him a little bit there, but I'm, I'm with you with the no suspension call. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I, I don't say this often, but I, I think the league got it right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, even a blind squirrel finds an acorn every once in a while, right? There you, there you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, we do have to talk a bit, little bit about Artemi Panarin not playing tonight. And, you know, I think, uh, I've started the campaign not that long ago where I think Artemi Panarin needs to at least be in the MVP conversation at least a little bit. Um, maybe not so much if the Rangers miss the playoffs, but if the Rangers somehow sneak into the playoffs, I think Panarin needs to get serious consideration for league MVP. And in a weird way, I feel like this game almost kind of strengthened his case a little bit just because he wasn't out there. And I know the Rangers had opportunities, but they just couldn't finish. They just could not close on these opportunities, at least not until late in the third period. And so, you know, you clearly felt Panarin's absence in this game tonight 
No doubt about it. And all you got to do is look at the uh, statistics for the season and how dominant Panarin is as compared to any of his teammates uh, in points and goals and assists. So absolutely. And, and look, for the Islanders, considering they offered Panarin more money than the Rangers did, but he turned them down and went to Broadway, not having him in the lineup, I, I think, was a big relief for the New York Islanders. I'm sure because I know he had a big game. I think it was the first game he went off for like five points against them. Is that right? Yep, that's correct. Yeah, all, all these games kind of blend together after a while. We've been playing the Islanders so much. I can't even remember what happened in what game. But, yeah, I, I knew he had the, the, at least the one big performance against them. Yeah, and and look, he's been the best player on the Rangers game in and game out all season. So not having him in the lineup, a big setback for the Rangers. And uh, the Islanders are only too happy to not have to face him tonight. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we got the All-Star break coming up. Uh, are you going to be watching any of the festivities, you know, the skills competition and all that fun stuff? Yeah, I'll, I'll take a peek at it. I can't say I'll watch from start to finish necessarily. Uh, I mean, All-Star games to me used to mean a lot more in the days before NHL center ice and, and uh, you know, being able to watch these guys play all the time. And the other thing is way back in the day, you got to go all the way back to the seventies, but they actually used to check in all-star games. They actually used to hit. Yeah. Uh, now <laughs> it, it's a fancy game of, of shinny, you know, uh, still fun to watch, but it's not really hockey. It's just a bunch no. of very talented players having fun on the ice. And as long as you don't take it seriously, you can enjoy it for what it is. I'm with you there. And I think of all the four major sports in this country, the one all-star game that feels the least like, the sport feels in any other game is definitely hockey. I mean, maybe football a little bit too, because the pro bowl is a bit of a joke as well. Um, but you know, the NBA all-star game, nobody plays any defense in that one, but it still feels like basketball, the MLB all-star game, you know, that definitely still feels like baseball for a while. It was even determining home field advantage in the world series, but yeah, hockey, it, it just feels like a bunch of kids playing around in the backyard. And I suppose for one game, that's not such a bad thing. You know, maybe you could put, Maybe you could find somebody who's not really a hockey fan and, and put them in front of the TV for that, and maybe they'd be hooked and think every game's going to be like that with these, you know, 10 to 9 scores or whatever it's going to be. <laughs> yeah, look, I feel bad for the goalies, but other than that, yeah. it's all good. But the goalies, you know, look, most of them don't take it seriously. They know they're giving up four or five goals in, in a period. There's nothing they can do about it, you know. Yeah. So, uh, but but it it is fun to watch. You just have to accept that it's not regular hockey. It is what it is. And look, you get to see the most skilled players in the game do what they do best without a lot of opposition. Now, you know, to me, the fact that you have to get past guys who are trying to stop you and hit you and, and slow you down is what makes it so exciting. But at the same time, you want to see these guys show off their skills. And that's what the uh, all-star game is really all about. Yeah, they get a lot more time with the puck, I think, too, because, you know, one thing that stands out, and this, this really stands out if you attend a hockey game in person, is how little amount of time you have to do something with the puck. I mean, you've got the puck for maybe a second, maybe two seconds at the most, and you've got to move it or, or else you're going to get flattened or at least have the puck knocked away from you. Uh, that really stands out when you watch the game in person. But like you said, the all-star game, you know, you, you can just have some fun and, you know, guys aren't going to be, you know, pressuring you too much or, or trying to take your head off with a big hit. Yeah, and I mean, so much of hockey is really creating time and space, and it is yeah. at a premium. And I, I think one of the differences even between playoff hockey and regular season hockey is in the playoffs, you have even less time and less space to do things because it's more intense, the harder hitting, uh, more, more defense is played, more positionally sound defense as well. So 
you know, having these guys with more time and more space is enjoyable to a point, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's good for just one game. And uh, the, exactly. one more thing I wanted to, yeah, one more thing I wanted to ask then about the All-Star game. I mean, do you think this is coming at a good time for the Islanders? I mean, you mentioned that they've been struggling a little bit. Is it? Do you think it could be a good thing for them to just kind of clear their heads for a couple of days and, and just kind of get away from it? Yeah, I, I think that would be a good thing for the Islanders right now. And I think coming off a win going into the break uh, helps them do that. I, I think it takes the monkey off their back a little bit, uh, takes some of the pressure off and reminds them, hey, you know, we we can do this. We are still a good hockey team and uh, gives them some time to recuperate, heal all the aches and pains. Because, look, let's face it. Nobody is 100% healthy 49, 50 games into the hockey season. It just, you know, if, if you are, you haven't been playing. You know, you're sitting right. up in the press box. So uh, heal the body, regroup, watch some game film, spend some time with your family, and 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 just, uh, you know, come back after the break and, and be ready for Vancouver on February 1st. It's funny. I mean, you, you mentioned that nobody's 100% by this point in the season. And that's one of the things, one of the ways that I'm trying to kind of you know, convince myself that the Rangers are still in this playoff race is like, well, they're the youngest team in hockey. So these guys aren't as beat up as a lot of the veterans in the league. So they're going to have this great second half push. And obviously that remains to be seen, but you know, we'll see. Maybe, maybe, maybe that does work in their favor down the stretch a little bit. Well, yeah, it's look, you gotta, you gotta find an edge no matter how you look at it. And that's certainly one way to look at it. If you're a Ranger fan, or even if you're a player on this team, you, you tell yourself, Hey, we're young. We can recover faster. We're going to be healthier down the stretch than some of these veteran teams. Let's go, you know, and uh, <laughs> if that gives you confidence, go for it, you know? Yep. I hear you. And uh, one thing, so there's something I do with the other locked on hosts. Anytime it's like a big time rival of the Rangers. And we forgot to do this last time. We didn't really forget. We just kind of got into other things, but um, I wanted to just ask you, put you on the spot here a little bit. What is your favorite all-time moment of Rangers versus Islanders? Is there any like big Islander win that stands out or like a goal or like a fight? I mean, it could, it could be anything, just any moment that really stands out for you. Yeah. I mean, you know, I wrote the book about the rivalry and yeah. to me, Ken Morrow's overtime goal in game five, the fifth and deciding game of the 1984 playoffs, that game to me was the greatest single game in the history of the rivalry. Both teams had so many chances. Uh, Don Maloney tying the game with less than a minute to go. Was it a high stick? I, I interviewed Don Maloney about it, uh, and he said it depends who you know who I was working for when you asked. Is basically <laughs> his answer because he has you know worked for both the front offices of the Rangers and the Islanders. Yep. Uh, but you know that go. Then you go into overtime, and I think overtime lasted a little less than seven minutes. Both teams had some excellent scoring chances. Uh, and and yet, in the end, of all people, Ken Morrow, a guy who averaged maybe two goals a season, comes up with the overtime goal and uh, wins the series. And at least at that point, kept the Islanders' drive for five alive. But if, you can find that game on YouTube, and it's available you know, in a bunch of places. If you haven't seen it and you just want to see a great hockey game, between two really good teams, rivals, intensity, playoff elimination, the whole nine yards, go watch that game. And if you don't have time to watch the whole game, just watch the overtime. It's intense. Yeah, I might have to go check that out because I have never seen that game. Now, 
you said game five. It, it was the best of five back then. Is that right? Yeah, that, that was the opening okay. round of the playoffs, best of five. Gotcha. Okay, cool, cool. And for me, I, I think I got to go with the, uh, for Rangers Islanders, I got to go with the 94 Stanley Cup playoffs because we talked about this the last time we did a crossover, but the Rangers and Islanders have not met each other in the playoffs since then. And that was, of course, the opening round. The Rangers, you know, President's Trophy winners, the top seed, the whole nine yards, the Islanders with the eight seed. And it was a fairly dominant performance by the Rangers through the four games. They sweep them, kind of just, you know, use that as kind of the launch pad to go through the playoffs that year. And obviously things got dicey against the Devils and the Islanders, both those series going seven games. But yeah, I mean, to just kind of beat your rivals and and, and to sweep them, no less. Uh, I think I got to go with that. There hasn't been any... There hasn't been that one like epic win against the Islanders since then, at least not for me. I mean, maybe I'm forgetting something, but yeah, I think I'll go with the 94 playoffs there. Yeah, no, hard to argue that. It, to me, from a Ranger perspective, if you want to go a little further back, you can go to 1979 when they, you know, eliminated the Islanders in six games behind John Davidson uh, and the Islanders. Well, there was no president's trophy in 1979, but they had the best record in the league that year. Uh, but yeah, so many great moments in 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 this rivalry, and uh, so so many memories, so many memories, and more to come too. Because both these teams, you know, kind of putting the pieces back together and kind of reestablishing themselves as contenders. I mean, I know the Rangers are quite a ways out of the playoff picture right now. I believe they're like eight or nine points out right now, but I do think the rebuild is going well, and, and the Islanders they're right in the thick of everything, and they're going to likely be in the playoffs this year. I don't want to say for sure, but yeah, I think you know there's going to be a we're overdue for a Rangers versus Islanders playoff series. And I got to believe it's coming at least within, let's say maybe the next five years or so. We are way overdue for it. And look, both of these teams look like they're heading in the right direction. I hope that the decade of the 2020s will bring us a, a renewal of this rivalry in at least one playoff match. You got to go back, you know, from 1979, 1981, 82, 83, 84, 90, and 94, they met in the playoffs. I mean, so many years in a row and next to in a row and the intensity of it all. And then to go from 1994 to now without playing in the playoffs, it's 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 way overdue. Yeah, it's hard to even fathom how it's happened. I mean, it's kind of become the Capitals in recent years for the Rangers. You know, there was a five-year stretcher. I think it was five straight years the Rangers and Capitals played each other at some point in the playoffs. So I don't know. I, I guess that that was kind of the the new rivalry, the rivalry of the uh, 2010s, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Oh, no, that's cool. Um, do you want to just end it? I, I figure we can just wrap it up. I'll just say something to wrap it up here, and we can edit this little part out. Sure. No problem. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we've, hold on. Let me see. Hold on, let, me check, let me check this. Yeah, we've been talking for almost half an hour, so I figure might as well might as well wrap it up. Okay. Felt like right, five cool. minutes, but that's good. Yeah, I know. I know. Every time, man. Every time. <laughs> that's what happens, man. You start talking hockey and time just flies. It does. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. All right, so Gil, this was a lot of fun. Uh, thanks again for joining me tonight. I know the Rangers and Islanders play each other one more time this season, and I think we got to do this again. We got to make it at least, you know, a, uh, a three-peat here of the, uh, the crossover special. Third time's a charm. Let's see what happens. All right, that sounds good, man. And Ranger fans, Islander fans, thanks for joining in, and we will see you guys next time. All right, take care, everybody. All right, very quickly, uh, let's get to this date in Islanders history as we take you all the way back to January 22nd, 1976 at the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. And a hat trick on this date 
for a pot van, but it wasn't Dennis Potvin. It was his brother, Jean Potvin, three goals, one assist in this game. His brother, Dennis, two goals, two assists as the Islanders roll past the Detroit Red Wings by a score of 8-1. to one. Peter McDuffie, the goalie for Detroit, Billy Smith, 22 saves in the game for the Islanders to earn the win. Lots of Islanders with multiple point games and, uh, you know, certainly something that the Islanders have to be pleased about as, uh, you know, the Islanders just get past Detroit, fell behind one nothing. Two assists for defenseman Dave Lewis. Two goals for Ralph Stewart. J.P. Parise, a goal and two assists. And Gary Howitt with two assists. Islanders put 42 shots on goal against Detroit, while Billy Smith made 22 saves in 23 shots. Islanders down the Detroit Red Wings 8-1 on this date in Islanders history, January 22nd. 1976, and a hat trick for Jean Potvin as the Potvin brothers dominate the Red Wings. All right, tomorrow we will have our farm report, which we usually have on Wednesdays, but because of the crossover episode, we pushed it back. We will also talk about Matthew Barzal's benching in the third period and uh, the message that Barry Trotz was trying to send to him. I'm Gil Martin, your host. Thanks so much for joining us today for the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.